glad that you joined us today. Thank you for going over the river and through the woods to uh, this place you came. And uh, I'm thankful for snow plows. And uh, I think they're out there working on our parking lot right now. Uh, so you can get home today. But uh, I, I want to I thank you. Uh, this is something that we um, consider just such a privilege. When I think back over the last several years, some of you remember those days when we weren't able to meet together in person. And, and there's a, a, a privilege that I get to have um, pastorally. Sometimes I'll get to go into someone's uh, hospital room. And there's a number of families that are a part of our church family that, uh, I, you know, some of us, like if we we're like, the, your fi- what's, what's your favorite place in the world? What's your favorite thing to do in life? Some of us are like Disney, of course. Or some of you are thinking about a warm cruise. It's kind of uh, rude to talk about warm things right now, isn't it? Uh, for some of you, it might be in the mountains. Some, you've got your place. Uh, but, but I can just tell you that there are members of our church family. They're joining us online today. Um, but there are members of our church family that uh, would say that there's just no place that they'd rather be than within community with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, so I want to celebrate that. We want to recognize that there's a lot of us doing crazy things today. Some of us will be traveling today. Our family, we're heading down to Dayton, Lord willing. Uh, and I heard several of others of you will be on I-71 heading south with us. And others have joined us from around the, the country to visit family today. And we just know that, uh, if nothing else, that this has been an un- unusual couple of days. And so I do blame those of you who prayed for a white Christmas. Uh, but uh, I'm so glad that you've joined us together today. And it truly is special that on the calendar, it falls this way every once in a while, where Sunday morning just happens to be on Christmas. And um, today, I want you to think about your own name as we talk. So, so you think about your name. Your parents picked it for you. We live in a different time period in history where, uh, for some of us, we might carry a family name. I, I have a friend. Uh, he was a pastor that worked with me, and he was Hilke Hilkema III. Uh, that was his name, H-Y-L-K-E, H-Y-L-K-E-M-A. Uh, and he loved his son so much, he did not name him Hilke Hilkema IV, you know? Um, for some of us in this room, we, our names have family meetings, and for others, they are meetings that we might not even know. Every once in a while, I'll bump into a Sophia or an Aletheia or a Zoe. And uh, just because of some time that I had studying biblical Greek, some of those names are wonderful words uh, in, in the ancient language. So Sophia wisdom. So I'll, I'll introduce myself to a little Sophia. Um, it's often that they're little because that's a more trendy name recently. And I'll ask, do you know that your name means wisdom? And they'll say, I have no idea what wisdom is, but hey, uh, you know, or there's Aletheia truth or Zoe life, these, these great names um, that are out there. But for most of us, our names are just names. Like my name is totally generic, God's gift, Sean. You know, some of us are like, that, uh, you know, you're like sort of Irish, right? So uh, we have different reasons for our names. But today in the minutes that we get to share together today, I get to talk to you about the name of Jesus. Um, and I get to talk with you about the wonderful name of Jesus. But I, I came across a, an article that was um, in a Reader's Digest from many years ago that, that really cracked me up. There was a teacher that was in, um, in the Santa Cruz area of California, 
And she was an elementary school teacher. And this was in the late 70s, early 80s. And some of you know what was happening in California in the late 70s, uh, in the 60s, and some of the things that were known for happening in that part of the world. And she would share that every fall when their students would come to school, uh, she was always fascinated with her fellow teachers to see what names parents would write on their kids' name tags. They'd give them those lanyards and uh, on the name tag for the first day of school, some of the names that, um, they, that she personally experienced. Uh, I can't even believe this. One was called Time Warp, uh, Spring Fever, Moonbeam, uh, Earth, Love, and Precious. Uh, those all ended up in her school, so pretty clever names. And so uh, one day when she uh, was beginning the school year, there was a, a young man that came in and he was pretty shy, uh, but on his name tag, it said fruit stand. And so uh, she, she looked at that and first she was taken aback by fruit stand, but then she asked him, fruit stand, would you like to play with the blocks? And uh, originally he was a little hesitant, but then finally he came over and then she invited him to um, to the lunch table fruit stand, and he, uh, he was hesitant, again, came across pretty shy, but then he accepted hesitantly, and th this was the whole day. And so um, over time, though, she, she says in the article that she just kind of got used to it, and fruit stand kind of fit in there with the other Heathers and Sunrays and other unique names that were in her classroom. And then at dismissal time, the teachers led the children out to the buses, and, um, and she asked Fruit Stan, do you know which one is your bus? And he didn't answer, and that was a little strange, and he hadn't really, frankly, answered them all day. And so um, lots of kids, like we said, were shy on that first day, and so um, he was particularly shy. And then the teacher remembered that they had instructed the parents to write the, the name of their bus stop on the back of their name tags. And she flipped it around and she saw in um, very clean English uh, the name Anthony. So, <laughs> oh, man. So, so names are interesting. And today I get to talk with you about three names that are going to show up in Scripture that refer to who was in that manger on that incredible Christmas morning. Now, like we've said in our series, Why Christmas, that uh, we're not sure if it happened on December 25th, and there's a lot of things that we don't know about Christmas, but there are some things, and this is the key, I think, for me as I've gone through this series, is it's important for us to, when we're trying to sort through fiction from fact, to to recognize that there are a lot of things that we don't know. And, and the, the truth is those things don't really matter that much that we don't know. God's good. He knows what we need. He's, like we said last night, those of you who are joining us, that we, he, he wants us to have certainty. Uh, he wants us to be able to trust him. He wants us to have the details that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us for his own glory and goodness but this information that we're going to look at today, I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, it would be helpful this morning if you turn them on or open them up, because there's a few verses, I, I mixed up one of our slides that'll make it a little bit more challenging, but I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 21, and you're going to notice what's going to look like three kind of names for Jesus in these first verses that we're going to look at. So, so the first one in Matthew 21, it says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, now, isn't it sad today that the name Jesus has been relegated to be a cuss word in our society? 
um, that the name of Jesus has lost some of its glory. I, I um, read a sermon, Charles Spurgeon, he just talks about the wonderful name of Jesus. And just as I read it, I just find myself saying, yeah, it's an, it's an incredible name. But I find it fascinating that the, that the God of the universe, when it came to naming kids, uh, sometimes he interceded. Uh, we saw it yesterday with John the Baptist, that God said that his name would be John. And in this context, uh, we see that God takes away the privilege and responsibility of Mary and Joseph to name him, and they are going to name him Jesus. And, and then the text goes on to say, for he will save his people. It's important for us to understand that that name Jesus was a personal name and We'll unpack that a little bit together, um, but it's appropriate for us to understand that this phrase, he will save his people, is very helpful for us because we understand in that little sentence that he understood that he was God, he was the source of our salvation, he's our living hope. And so we see the name of Jesus. In the next verse, it's not on this slide, but it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then verse 23, it says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So in these three verses, uh, Matthew chapter 1, 21, 22, and 23, uh, we see the personal name of Jesus. We're going to unpack that a little bit in our minutes together this morning. Um, we also see a messianic statement. He will be their savior. He'll be our savior. And then we also see a description of Emmanuel. And um, I, I had a great conversation with a friend this week. And it's like, it's kind of confusing that in scripture, we see so many different names for Jesus. You like read those and you're like, well, wait a second, our name for God, uh, our Christ, the incarnate, so, like, which is his name? And uh, I will, I don't want to be too controversial this morning, but um, some of you guys know the name Michael Jordan, right? Uh, and so we're going to use this as an example. That's some names, that's his, probably on his birth certificate. He and I are not close, um, but, but Michael Jordan um, would, would probably show up on his birth certificate, I'm guessing. Um, but, but then there's other statements about him that we know about him. Some of you would only know him as Air Jordan because you've worn his shoes before. Um, some of you would know him as MJ, the initials that we know him by. Some of you would know him by his accomplishments. And the controversial part is some call him the GOAT, right? The greatest of all time. That's the controversial part, right? Or some of you would know him as the five-time NBA champion, right? Or MVP, right? So, so we know him not only by his name, um, but we also know him by his attributes. And so when we talk about him being both Jesus, personal name, we'll unpack that. We also know him as the Messiah, um, the expected savior of God's people, uh, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We also know him as Emmanuel. And, and literally in the text, which is funny because it says you'll call him Jesus. And then later it says his name will be Emmanuel. And I, and I like the question. And I think it's appropriate for us to understand that some of these are his, uh, are, like Jesus is his personal name. Um, Christ is not his last name, contrary to what some people think. And um, that is a reference to his messianic role that he plays 
And then the final thing, the Emmanuel, God with us, is a description of him. And there's lots of descriptions in scripture of who Jesus is. Let's, let's do that for a second. What are some descriptions in scripture? It's okay to talk in church, I'll let you. Uh, so what are some other descriptions of Jesus that we see in scripture? I know George is going to give me one. He's always got one right on the side. I didn't even prompt him, right? George, what do you got? Oh, good question. All right. Other, other names, of, other descriptions of Jesus. Oh, did you guys fall asleep already? Prince of, Prince of Peace. All right. That's great. What? He's the morning star. He's the, morning star. It's a, he's the bread of life. He's the, he's the lamb of God. Well, you guys are paying attention on Christmas. Oh, what was that? He's the way, the truth, and the life. What else? He's our shepherd, the good shepherd, good physician. What else? Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Keep going. Resurrection and life. He's the resurrection and the life. So, so, so way more important than the goat, right? Or best basketball player of all time. That, that the description of Jesus, uh, we, have, we have wonderful descriptions of him because he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? And so, so the name of Jesus, as wonderful as it is, it's, it contains so much more than just the natural description of who he is. And I'll just, uh, I'm going to quote David, Dr. David Jeremiah. I love Dr. David Jeremiah. He's so, so helpful for me so, so many times when I study God's word. But he says this. This is really cool. He says, there is only one name that can change your life. And it's Jesus. It's the only one. There's a lot of really good names out there. And he um, in an excellent message, uh, challenged me in some of this. I want to share some of the truths that he shared there, but uh, I want you to hear this. In 2 Thessalonians 1.12, it says, So the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Leslie Savage says, A baby's hands in Bethlehem were small and softly curled, but held within them the dimpled grasp of the hope of all the world. That's awesome. Uh, you get that, right? You understand that that's who Jesus is. Um, we, we need to know who he is. We need to know his name. We need to know who was in that manger so many years ago because it has eternal implications, but we also recognize not recognizing him would truly be devastating. So we're going to look at three names. We're going to do this briefly. Um, but the first one, we already mentioned it in Matthew 1, 21. A description of him, his personal name, is Jesus. Um, and, and as I mentioned, there's only one name that can uh, change our life. Jesus literally means Jehovah saves or the Lord of salvation. And so when we say that he's, it says in the text, for he will save his people, his name means Jehovah saves. And then he says, I will be the one who saves you by his very name. Did you know that in the Gospels, God's son is called by that particular name over 500 times? I want to just pause for a second. And, and in my own life, uh, just for me personally, uh, but maybe because uh, that name is used so often as a cuss word that there's times when I, I don't use that word, uh, Jesus, and and I've realized, I've been convicted by that, that I, I want to I recognize the fact that Scripture does it 500 plus times. In fact, the word Jesus appears throughout the New Testament over 900 times. And you get the impression that it's the favorite and most enduring term for our Lord. 
Of all the names, of all the titles that were given to Christ, the most beloved by his followers was the simple name Jesus. Um, uh, David Jeremiah um, mentions the reasons why he likes the name, and I think they're pretty smart reasons, so I'm going to include them in a list here for, for us. So the first is that it's an easy name. Um, you guys know in Scripture that there's some pretty interesting names like Tiglath-Pileser, or Adonai, um, Bezek, Dorcas, Dodo, Gomer, Ishbi, Benab. Can you hear, um, you know, Tiglath-Pileser? Can you imagine? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Oh, I'm singing for you today. Go tell it on the mountain that Tiglath-Pileser is born. You know, it doesn't work very well, does it? You know, the name Jesus is an easy one for us to say, and it's so easy that children uh, even can, can articulate it. And uh, I love the, the illustration, you know, like even from the beginning, if you grew up uh, in a Christian home or a home where you heard, um, you know, that name brought up, uh, you probably learned mom first, which is kind of interesting, right? And dad second, sometimes dad first, mom second. But for many of us, the, the third name that we learned was the name Jesus. And um, I, I love the, the, the statement that the, the Sunday school teacher is standing in front of the kids and he's talking with them and um, he asked them, he, he asked them to describe a small brown furry creature that crawls up in trees and eats nuts and he asked them what it is and the little boy raises up his hand and he says, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but we're in Sunday school, so it must be Jesus, right? You get that? Uh, we, we know, like, for, as a kids, like, we, we know that name, right? We are familiar with it. We understand that the answer to most of our questions is Jesus. And, and I, I want you to catch that it is truly an easy name. Um, it is also, David Jeremiah says, an esteemed name. I think it's helpful for us to understand that even though it was common, um, some of you, this is, this is helpful for us to unpack this, that, um, that many of you know a Joshua, or, um, that, is in, that is very similar to the, the name Yeshua, but that's the same name that Jesus had. It was Joshua. And for many of us, we, we appreciate the fact that the first time that that name was used in Numbers described the Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho. He was a savior of God's people, and he served a very important role. In fact, uh, Jesus' name, uh, Yeshua, uh, when it was converted into Greek and then ultimately uh, translated into English, uh, that's where we get the name Jesus. And for some of us, we, we look at that and we say, well, wait a second, shouldn't we call him Yeshua? And um, some of you maybe know in, in Spanish, uh, the, the letters G-E-O-R-G-E. -E. Um, some of you would pronounce that like we do Curious George, right? We'd say George. Uh, George has grown up with this, but some of you know in Spanish that we would call you Jorge. Uh, and uh, it might sound a little weird to us, but um, that, that happens all of the time. There's different words for the word Bible in different languages, but it never uh, ends its meaning. And so when we see Yeshua in scripture, um, we often see Jesus's name being associated with of Nazareth because it was such a common name. And I think that there's something beautiful about this, that it wasn't just one of those names that no one used, but instead it was a common name, but it was so powerful and so meaningful that it would be the name that God would choose. Yahweh saves. The Lord is salvation that God would hand-select that name from the other names of the common time 
to be able to describe who Jesus was. Uh, I've shared with you, you guys that uh, my name's kind of boring, but uh, some people uh, call me Irish, Sean Brennan. Uh, I don't know that much about it, but I do know that uh, one time, and I've already shared this before, but I think it's funny that I was in Parma um, at the police department. I won't tell you what I was doing at the police department, uh, but I was at the police department and... Um, uh, they were being extra nice to me. I thought it was kind of nice. And they were going out of their way to be extra kind. And, and then somebody mentioned that I was the councilman, Sean Brennan. Uh, and I, I smiled and said, no, I'm not the councilman. There happens to be a Parma councilman with the same name that I do. He spells his name wrong. But uh, the, the, uh, the name uh, matters, right? And uh, it's important for us to identify the right Jesus, obviously, But uh, it's helpful for us to understand that that name carried with it great meaning. It's also an exalted name. Philippians 2, we've been going through a Philippians series. We're going to finish it off in this next year, Lord willing. But I want you to just hear these words of Philippians 2.9. It says, Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That sounds pretty esteemed and exalted, doesn't it? It's, it's beautiful to hear that description. We also know it's an exclusive name. When I say exclusive, I think it's appropriate to recognize that th- these words, these are both powerful And also haunting words to me in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. It says this. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Are you familiar with that passage? Sometimes people accuse people like me of being exclusive or narrow or... And just, I read this passage and it really just says that there's one way, one truth, and one life. No man comes to the Father but through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is not just a name, but it's a very unique and special name. Uh, someone put this well, author's unknown for this. You've heard this before, but it says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us a teacher. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But your greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent you a savior. I want you to recognize when we say the name Jesus, we are saying that he is our savior. God saves. Our God saves. And to that, I say amen. Do you agree with me? We, we stand back in awe of his goodness. Uh, the second description, we'll be brief with these, but the second description that I see in Scripture in that uh, Matthew 1, passage, it calls him the Christ. And it's important for us to note that the Greek word Christos means the anointed one or the chosen one. This is the equivalence of the Hebrew word um, that we get the word Messiah from. So Christ is his title It signifies Jesus being sent from God to be the king and our deliverer. It's important for us, uh, for the sake of time, to just note this. I want you to just catch that, that throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, we've been talking about it in this series, they expected, they anticipated a Messiah, a Savior. In, In many cases, it would have been an expected king. 
And it's important for us when we talk about who was in that manger that we recognize that Jesus claimed to be and fulfilled all of the attributes of the Messiah. That, that helpful description is important. And even those who expected the Messiah, when Jesus was there, there were questions. But it's important for us to note that not only did Jesus fulfill them in his life, um, there was also expectation of his second coming. But then also it's important for us to understand that Jesus claimed himself to be the Christ, the Messiah. In fact, it led to him being hung on a cross. It's, it was repulsive to those people who refused to believe. And so it's important for us to understand that when he claimed to be the Christ, and there's this wonderful moment in history at the end of Jesus's earthly ministry when he's walking with some of his disciples and, and he says this as he talks with them, uh, he's, he says to them in uh, the book of Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 44 through 48, he, he basically just says to them, hey, whether you've known it or not, in the time that I've had with you, I have been living out the truth of being the Messiah. I want you to hear this. He says to them, these are my, my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And everything written about me, this is after the resurrection. This is after he rose from the dead. And that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's saying that in the Old Testament, the way you and I know it, the description of the Christ um, was pretty clear. It was written about me. In verse 45, then he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures. And he said to them, this it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day raise from the dead. And the repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. It's like the biggest duh moment in the history of the world, right? It, like they watched him die. They saw him be the resurrected Lord. These were the guys who followed him around and experienced and tasted the miracles. And yet they still didn't understand that, that he was the Messiah until for some of them, right at the end of their time with him. I want us to, to pause here for a minute. and Let's make sure we apply this truth to our life this morning. On this Christmas day, what a special Christmas day. That, that, that there were people who saw evidence of him being the Christ, but still chose to ignore the fact that he was the Christ. And, and finally, he just kind of had to fill it in for him. Right at the end, for, for some of the men. And at the end of the day, it ended up leading to many of them living and dying their lives for Christ. Like that they believed in the evidence. They, they loved him. They accepted him. They became disciples on whom their backs God would build his church. And so it's just important for us to know that, that this Jesus, the Messiah, uh, would really truly be the Messiah, and he would claim it, and ultimately it would lead to his death. And you and I know this. Uh, on Christmas Day, we recognize that uh, Jesus absolutely is the single most important person, most significant person in all of history. In the famous essay, essay One Solitary Life, it says this, here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30, and then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office, never had a family, never went to college, never put his foot inside a big city, never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. 
never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his coat. And when he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone. When this was written, now we can say twenty, I guess. Um, Long centuries have come and gone. And today he is the centerpiece of the human race. He's the leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as this one solitary life. And his name is what? His name is Jesus, right? Do you you agree with me? this morning, that this life changed everything. In his book, Evidence Demands a Verdict, Josh McDowell uh, makes the note, the most marvelous and astonishing thing in 19 centuries of history is the power of his life over the members of the Christian church. I find the name of Jesus Christ written on top of every page of modern history. So, so he's significant. He was the Messiah. And then on, on Christmas Day, we get to celebrate in this special way the, the description of him. You remember how I, I mentioned Michael Jordan has different descriptions and attributes and characteristics. And um, this last one is one that takes um, great, uh, gives us great understanding this time of year. And it's in, recorded again in Matthew 1, 23. His name is Emmanuel. So yes, he's wonderful. Yes, he's Jesus. But this description of him being Emmanuel means that he is equal to God. He is God. He is God with us. He is 100% God. It's also important for us to recognize through the incarnation that he's also 100% man. He was and is. Um, and so we, we recognize that this description of him like these other descriptions in scripture, some of you noted, like he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be called the Son of the Most High and the Son of God. These are all descriptions of him. But it's important for us to recognize that this phrase, God with us, is perhaps one of the most radical and uh, life-changing ideas in all of scripture. That God, the word would become flesh and dwell among us. Uh, as John 1.14 says, just hear this again. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and he, we have seen his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You know, that's who's full of grace and truth, by the way, is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That we recognize this morning that, that Jesus is the only possible savior because he was the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want us to recognize that this morning. I want us to celebrate that fact that, yes, his name is Jesus. He's our Savior. Yes, he was the expected Messiah. He fulfilled the attributes of Christ perfectly. But we also recognize this morning that he is truly God with us. Uh, Many of you appreciate Paul Harvey like I do. And Paul Harvey um, uses this description of 
the incarnation, the fact that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He says that there was one raw winter night, a man heard an irregular thumping sound against the kitchen storm door and he went to a window and he watched as a tiny, tiny shivering sparrows attracted to the evident warmth inside the barn beat in vain against the glass. They touched the, um, the, um, he was touched by them, and he felt bad for them. He was concerned for them. So the far, farmer bundled up, and he trudged through the fresh snow to open the barn for the struggling birds. Uh, kind guy. He's probably nicer than I am, let's be honest. Um, so he turned on the lights. He tossed some hay in the corner. He sprinkled a trail of saltine crackers to direct them to the barn. But the sparrows, which had scattered in all directions when he emerged from the house, they still hid in the darkness because they were afraid of him. He tried various tactics, circling behind the birds to drive them towards the warm, safe, comfort, comfortable barn. But um, he, he, that didn't work. He tossed cracker crumbs in the air towards them, and then he retreated in the house to see if they'd flutter into the barn on their own. Uh, but, but frankly, nothing worked. Um, so this huge alien creature that must have looked like through the eyes of the birds, he terrified them. The birds couldn't understand that he actually wanted to help them. So he withdrew to his house and he watched the doomed sparrows through a window. And as he stared, he thought, uh, the thought hit him like lightning from a clear blue sky. If only I could become a bird, if I could be one of them just for a moment, that I wouldn't frighten them so I could show them the way to warmth and safety. In the same moment, another thought dawned upon him. He began to grasp the principle of the incarnation. A man's becoming a bird is nothing compared to God becoming a man. The concept of a sovereign being as big as the universe he created, confining himself to a human body, was and is too much for some people to believe. That's what Paul Harvey said. And I just, I want to add to that, that, that that was a part of the incarnation. But we understand that he ultimately had to be the perfect sacrifice. Talked about it yesterday. But God's heaven is perfect. Everybody in heaven is perfect, right? And um, there's no, if anybody who was imperfect went to heaven, uh, then it wouldn't be perfect anymore. And that's a part of the recognition of the perfect sacrifice of God that he chose to die in our place. So he didn't just come to earth, but he made himself the perfect sacrifice so that he could replace uh, the stain of sin on our lives. That's the gospel, right? And it's good news. Isn't it funny? I don't know if you've caught this. I've caught this as I've studied this Christmas story in different versions this year, is that the word good news shows up on the lips of angels often. I, I, I want to share good news with you. Good news, good news, good news. And you guys understand that that's another way of saying the, the word we use, the gospel. It's the good news. It's the living hope that we have. So on this Christmas morning, thank you for, for coming out of the cold and joining us. Thank you for uh, making this time. I, I want to make sure that, that for each one of us, when we talk about putting Christ back in Christmas and uh, you know, the reason for the season and all of those things. We, we often understand the image of that, that baby that was in that manger. And, and, and today, I hope that in the time that we've had together, that you've understood something about him, that he has a very personal name. And his name is what? His name is Jesus, right? That that personal name means that God saves and that he claimed to be our savior. 
We also recognize that he was the Messiah, the expected one, uh, God incarnate. We also recognize that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And we could spend the rest of this December 25th talking about attributes of his because there is no one like him. But like I started this, this morning, I, I shared with you, not knowing his name is lethal, not knowing about him and not receiving the gift of Christ has eternal implications for each and every one of us. So I'm going to invite you, uh, we, we love to use this term, uh, to, to worship response. And, and for some of us, uh, it may seem weird that in church we often accompany it with, with passing the plate. And it's just important for you to understand that that is not because we, um, we believe God needs your resources or to misunderstand. We just, we just recognize that the Lord says something to us. Where our treasure is there, our heart will be also that we recognize that in a, in a place like this, that God's desire for us isn't to be people who give grudgingly or out of necessity. And the same with our songs of worship and praise. Tyler's going to come up and he's going to lead us in a few more songs. And it's intentional that we weave those together because this isn't, um, this isn't paying our ticket or this isn't um, like justify. This, this is nothing about that. It's actually just that we're worshiping the Lord, and we do it in many different ways. And so I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. I'm going to invite the ushers to pass the offering plate, but we're going to close and worship and exalt his name together, hopefully in a manner that's worthy of him. Lord, we love you. I thank you and praise you for Christmas, and thank you for your joy that is our strength. I pray that, that today maybe we would have grown in our understanding of who you truly are. May, may the light bulb go off for some of us like those disciples on the road to Emmaus that maybe just understood and identified you as to who you are for the very first time. We pray, pray this prayer in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.